0: Well, everybody, what's the crack? And welcome back to episode number 31 of the N9G Flute Podcast with me, your host, Gareth Houston. Welcome back, my dudes and my dudettes and all those in between. We are back to the normal last minute scheduling of this podcast. For a few weeks there, I was really on top of my game. I was like weeks in advance to thought, yeah, I don't have to do any work for a little while. And now it's crept up on me, up the stairs to pinch my wee bum. So this episode being recorded Tuesday, the 30th of January at two o'clock in the afternoon. And it will be going out this Friday, Friday the 2nd of Feb. So we're back to last minute. But what's nice is I can talk to you directly, almost in real time. So first of all, how's about that episode last week? Man, Magali Monnier on this podcast. That was a real pinch me moment for me personally. Um, It was a great episode. It was quite strange to speak in English with Magalie the entire time. But it was fucking cool. It was fucking cool. And it got a lot of traction. And a lot of people seeing it. And I think it'll be one of those episodes that will mature with time. Because people will regularly be searching for her because of who she is. She's a massive superstar in France. I mean huge. like Not just for food players but also for musicians in general. So... I also feel quite proud to be able to bring her to the Western world. Not the Western world. She's not. She's not from Africa. Not from to the to the Western English speaking world. Sorry. Excuse me very much. But anyway, that episode did get a bit of traction, and I've got some updated numbers for you guys because we haven't talked about numbers in a while. So I've actually put together a little PDF for sponsors. They'll be going out to media kit with all the details of the podcast, demographics, reach, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But let's chat a little about chat a little bit about the last 28 days because I'm so proud of you guys. So we'll start with YouTube. Total views of the last uh, 28 days. We are one point two thousand for the podcast. In the last month that is 513 more than a usual month youtube is always the worst for this podcast so i'm very happy with that and um, the watch time in total is 103 hours which is 33 hours more than the average 28 days and subscribers we are an increase of 48 which is mad now we've had the apple podcast not great but in the last 28 days we got 483 plays but spotify is where it's at so I can't get the exact number here, but top sources, so people looking for the podcast through Spotify Home, that is 1,833 in the last 30 days. On Spotify Search, it is 2,336, and Spotify Library, that is 391. So that means the average, the total overall average numbers for this podcast in the last month were around about 6,200 streams. So give yourselves a big fucking pat on the back, man. That is wild. And if you're interested in the audience demographic, uh, the listeners are 48% female, 49% male, and 2% non-binary, and 1% prefer not to say. And over 63% of the listeners are between the ages of 23 and 34. And the top 10 countries in the world in this order for the N9G podcast in the last month. Number one, the United Kingdom, then United States, Finland, Canada, Germany, Australia, Brazil, Ireland. Letting the fucking sound down there, lads. Denmark and then España. Social media reach. We all know I've still got this problem with my Instagram account. I'm being shadow banned because of my terrorist threats, apparently. Um, Accounts reached. The reach of the Instagram account since the last 28 days well, all the guests on is 13,000 sorry 13,299 accounts reached that is a 137 percent increase um a lot of the clips have been getting traction some of them the the clips with Jill Foods, for example have been getting an average of about 8,000 views Facebook's reach is up to 1,258 which is great because I fucking hate Facebook so there's our updated numbers and you guys you guys are the thank for that I am blown away by these numbers. When I was putting together this PDF kit, I couldn't fucking believe it. Now, it a lot of people listen to the podcast because of the big guests. So when you get the likes of Magani Monnier on, you get people who will just listen to that one episode. But you guys, the core group out there, the people who listen to these episodes, I have you to thank. So I'm glad we can take a little bit of time here to talk. Because you guys are messaging me every week. You're always in touch. And I just want to take this little period of calm in the podcast to say thank you to you all. It's you guys with your constant support. We have, I have we. There is no we. Cat's out of the bag here. There is no editing team. There is no producer. It's all me. I'm the captain of the ship and I'm going down with it. So it's just me. But I have zero budget for this podcast. I can't afford to put money into it. I'm giving up a lot of my work to do it. So it's passion project at a minute, but it is zero budget. So you guys constantly commenting and liking and sharing everything has really helped. And I know it's not easy. You always want to like it, but throw me a like even without looking at it. The people who do that, God bless you. I know the people out there. There's a couple of you out there who like everything I put up. Every story, every picture, every TikTok, you're always there. You guys are doing the fucking Lord's work. It's your fault. It's because of you that we are getting so successful. So I'm so thankful to you guys. It's not glamorous work, but it does work. So it's a little thank you because it's only the hardcore people in here who are listening. We haven't got the part-time guests in here. I want to give you a little bit of a heads up to who's coming up next in the podcast. So this is just for you guys. I'm not going to clip this. This is just for you guys. Uh, already recorded. I went to Luxembourg last week to meet up with Sophia Zofia Neugebauer. If you haven't seen Sophia Neugebauer, go and check it out. So Zavia with a Z. She's very popular on Instagram as well. Um, she was part of the Von Karian Berlin Philharmonic Academy she's principal of Flute in Basel at the minute huge soloist doing an amazing thing I travelled to Luxembourg to go see her which was great we recorded an episode of this podcast in her hotel room which was amazing we had so much fun so that's recorded that'll be coming out in a week or two I'm just waiting for Sophia to watch it back confirm that she's okay with it suggest any cuts that are possible I like to give my guests a few weeks to make sure they can do that I wouldn't put the episode out and just say oh here it's up go check it out I always had them say, if you want this cut out or you want that cut out, I give them the time to do it. Also, coming up on the list, confirmed guests, not yet recorded, but confirmed to be coming on, Hélène Bouleg, Alexi Kosenko, Philippe Barnes, John Paul Wright from Trevor James Flutes. I've reached out to all these people and they've all confirmed they're coming on. So, we've got a couple of big weeks. And next week's episode is going to be a very special I hope it comes through. I'm trying to get the logistics of it in the last minute. But next week, so Thursday the 7th, whatever it is, is the start of Cologne Carnival massive party so the episode will be coming out in the 8th and I thought I'd love to get an English speaking guide to Cologne Carnival and its music so I'm going to try and record that next Wednesday and it will have the first ever recurring returning guest on this podcast and I'm officially announcing something something that I've kept to myself for a while but I want you guys to help hold me accountable and culpable for this so I've got a new goal a few people recently I'm not say who but quite big name flute players very big name flute players have confirmed that they reckon Emmanuel Bayou would like to come on this podcast. Now he hasn't said to them directly, I'm not at all inferring that. It was just their opinion that they think strongly he would be up for it if I asked him. So I'm making this my goal. The official goal for the N9G podcast is by episode 50 or for episode 52, being one year to have Emmanuel Bayou on this podcast, I will go to Berlin to interview him or wherever he is, I will find him. And I think it's going to happen. So hold me accountable for that. We will get there. But anyway, back to today. We have a big new listenership. I hope a lot of them are sticking in here after the last episode. If you are, it's good to see you. Thank you for sticking around. You're getting to the real part of this pod, the core of this podcast, the lore. I've had a lot of epi- or a lot of people messaging about requests to let a- know a little bit more about me. Jesus Christ, that was a mouthful. To know a little bit more about me, so I'm doing an episode on myself, which is very odd. It's not a topic I really cover or particularly enjoy covering. I'm very Irish. I'm very humble, but. What I'm going to do today is, I'm going to interview myself like I do my guests, just for a bit of fun. So, you lovely lot can get to know me. So, my name is Gareth Houston, and this is my story. <laughs> this is my story. So, I'm going to go through it, lads. Um, yeah, just a bit of crack to share with you. I'm going to get personal. We're going to get up and close here. Imagine we were in the pub and it's getting sort of 2 a.m. and you think, ah, we'll I have one more, but we'll make it a whiskey. This is the kind of talk we'd have. So, Gareth, how did you start the flight? Well, Gareth, I think. Thank you for asking. I started the flute at six years old. My granddad was my teacher. Previous episode with him, Brian Houston, that is episode, I think, 27 or 6 or something around that. Anyway, it's up there somewhere. Go check it out. I started playing in flute bands. There's an episode on that as well. to know more about that. Uh, the bands I personally played with were Gahard Flute Band, based outside Balna in Northern Ireland, or the north of Ireland. Then I went to Kellswater Flute Band near Ballymena, God... I detested balamina, And lastly, Ballyclare Victoria Flute Band. Um, So at the latter two bands, the conductor of the bands was my uncle, Glenn Houston, who was a banging, still is, a banging flute player. A superb player, genuinely. He did a military career. When he was 16, he went off to uh, do army bands, that kind of thing, military bands. Which, I think if he was growing up in my era he would have done classical. He would have went orchestral route and he definitely could have. There's no doubts about that. I think just at that time in the sort of 80s and 90s, the military route was a very safe route for a working class family to send their son to. So it made sense. But anyway, he's a great player and great conductor of bands so i was playing in flute bands nothing really serious going to my granddad playing along enjoying it at 14 i decided i'm going to take it a little bit more seriously the flute and i went to get lessons from colin fleming now, there's not a lot of flute teachers in northern Ireland, but colin is the principal foot of the ulster orchestra previously with the berlin philharmonic academy as well um great player colin fleming is one of the great players seriously underrated um i love the lessons with colin but i wasn't ready for the intensity that colin brought he, he had a track record of getting students into top, top music colleges, and I just didn't fucking fancy it. Um, and to be honest, I went with Colin for about six months and then I quit. I quit the flute entirely and stopped for a year. um That was about 15 years old, 14 to 15. It was about the same time, coincidentally, that I discovered beer and girls and parties and all those good things in life. So I thought the flute can go fuck itself. So I quit the flute for a year, believe it or not. And then. I naturally came back to it at the age of 15, which was a good thing for me, I think. I was never forced to practice, by the way. I never had musical parents. My grandfather obviously was musical, but I never had musical parents. I never once in my life was forced to practice, ever. I'm so fucking thankful for it. Um, so I came back to it naturally at 15, and then I went to Glen, my uncle, uh, for lessons. Great player, great teacher. He was tough, but he did it in the right way. You know, we I always felt like we were in a team. We were working towards a common goal. So I applied for music college, got rejected to quite a few of them. A couple of crazy stories about what happened with the auditions. I had a broken flute and I had to fly for the auditions to the likes of Manchester and Glasgow, Cardiff, London. Um, It was a bit of a stressful time. No one from my school had ever done it before. No one I knew had ever done it before to go over to the mainland and try to audition for these places. So it was a bit of a steep learning curve. And I had to go that year because if I waited one year and deferred entry to practice a bit more, the fees tripled. So education, um, tuition fees tripled in the UK. So it was either I go this year and pay 3,000 euros a year, 3,000 pounds a year, or I go the year after and pay nine, which, yeah, Jesus Christ. So I got rejected from a lot. I had a lot of bad habits. And in the years, the formative years, sort of 12 to 15, where you really should be getting your technique down, I wasn't. I was playing tunes and I was enjoying it, but I had a lot of bad habits in my playing, a lot of holes in my technique. I could play to a high level musically, but technically... There was a lot of weird stuff going on. I think a lot of people thought he's not worth the hassle of trying to fix all that. It's too late by the time he's 18. But Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama saw potential in the audition and they offered me a scholarship. Which was incredible. And actually just after I was offered another place in another music college. But I decided to go to Royal Welsh because London didn't particularly appeal to me at 18. I think if I was 18 and I went to London I would have died. Cardiff was a much smaller town or city beautiful city but it suited me more so off I went to RWCMD Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama I was in total fucking awe look up a picture of it it's like a spaceship the building it was incredible Royal Welsh um the very first night my mum and dad flew over and I went to student halls to stay and, you know they helped me get my bag in and stuff and you had like a little room within an apartment so there were six of us and we had a room each and a shared kitchen and stuff in a whole building of students everyone's 18 everyone's just moved away they let me, they, my mum and dad helped me get my stuff out of my bag, and then they were like, right, we're going to go now, we'll leave you to it, and I was like, thank fuck here we we'll go, baby, open up the bag, I remember sneaking in six bottles of Desperado's beer, and at this point, I was 18, I was a bit naive, I was Irish, and I had no shyness about me, so I went to every door I could find, and just knocked the doors, and went, excuse me, did anyone want a party, my name's Gareth, I've just arrived from Belfast, I'm here, And I had a great night that night. Loads of people were up for drinking and we went to the pub across the road from the halls. I thought, man, this is my life now with other people who know music because where I grew up, I had one friend who was seriously into classical music. The rest, nobody knew anything of it. So to be surrounded by people, it was such a novelty to me. It was great. We went out, had a brilliant night. The next day and the next week when we were starting to go to college, that's where it became a problem because English people can be quite awkward and I kept the same personality that I had drunk as when I am sober. And that was a problem. People, I was partying with people the night before, you know, giving them hugs, kissing them, singing the Spice Girls, and then the next morning they wouldn't even look at me in the eye. And I found it very weird. And I went really into my shell because of that. My first year in college, I made basically no friends. I flew back home as much as I could on the wee small 50-seater plane from Cardiff to Belfast, but I was constantly going back home, saving up my money and buying flights. I just couldn't stick it. I did make one friend, Scottish fella, but he ended up going to jail. I think he's in jail now still he was at college that's a whole other story for another time but I wonder where he is but anyway I loved going to music college it was still cool to be studying music full time I remember my first ever history of music class I was like fuck I can't wait for this I read a lot of history music books on my own just for the pleasure because I loved it I still love it but I never forget going in and one of the one of the first topics was Johannes Brahms because Brahms as a composer his style seems like a little bit of a throwback to what era he was actually writing in his contemporaries and stuff were a lot later than you think. Brahms's music is late yeah, it sounds kind of late classically, early romantic. It's not too far off Beethoven, but it is in the timeline, it's chronologically it's much later. So Brahms is a bit of a throwback. So I think it was a bit of a trick question or a bit of a you know for people to go, "Oh, is it, you know, Rachmaninoff or is it Tchaikovsky?" Um and someone put their hand up and said Thomas Tallis was a contemporary of Brahms, which for musicians here that's fucking laughable and I thought, "Oh, Maybe not everyone here is as smart as I thought they were, but he was a guitar player. And I mean, you no, know, fuck him. Uh, my teachers at Royal Wells were Roger Armstrong, uh, principal or sub principal flute of the BBC National Orchestra of Wheels. He just retired when I arrived there. He was born in Northern Ireland, actually, left at eight years old to go to Australia, studied in Australia and played in the South Australian Symphony Orchestra for years and then came back to the UK. Roger was wonderful. I've waxed lyrical about Roger many, many times in this podcast. He was a great teacher and a great support. And my other teacher was Eva Stewart who was principal piccolo of the bbc national orchestra of wales as well i adored them both and in my four years of study on my bachelor degree i actually never changed teachers which normally it was commonplace to change after your second year but i didn't want to i absolutely loved them both so yeah royal Bass was great fun i studied there i had a lot of parties i had a lot of mates i lived with a couple of good friends did the student university lifestyle it was great i learned a lot and i had a lot of fun more importantly at that age of my life i think it was important i played a few master classes you know michael cox and william bennett and all those lads and yeah um final recital of fourth year i got absolutely fucked and it all my family came over i still stand by it. it was one of the best recitals i've ever gave but i played the Prokofiev sonata in its entirety i played the barn fantasy the carmen fantasy and i played a piece of irish music a piece called night ride by brian finnegan with my irish band at the time and the markers at royal welsh deemed that my irish music because i spent half of it on irish whistle and not on flute they deemed it that it didn't count so they give me a maximum grade i could reach which was something like 60 percent, because i didn't officially fill up the time of the allocated slot for the recital because for the 10 minutes of that piece they did they didn't include it so i was 10 minutes short go fuck them it was a great program man it was great Prokofiev, Snatter, Carmen Fantasy and a big class Irish piece to finish by Brian Finnegan. It was amazing. So I, I didn't get the best. I got a 2-1 in the end, which is the second best grade you can get. But I would have got a first if I just didn't do that. Highlights of Royal Welsh. There's two that stick out for me. Um, My teacher Roger, after he retired, did some occasional playing with an orchestra called the Bristol Ensemble. It's a chamber orchestra, obviously in Bristol, which is very close to Cardiff. And I did a Beethoven symphony cycle with them, which is my favourite music. And in one of the symphonies, I think it was when we did Beethoven 7. don't know which one. We also did La Pré-Midi by Debussy. So I got to play second flute beside my teacher as he did the Debussy solo. That was a good moment. That was a moment I'll never forget. And also I got to do the Firebird suite in... No, tell a it's not Firebird. Uh, Rite of Spring. I did Rite of Spring in St. David's Hall in Cardiff, which is a beautiful venue. So before we continue on... Of the interview questions. I have something fucking cool to announce. I'm so excited for this one. Guys. Patreon. I've got one. Fucking got one. And right now. Underneath the screens. I hope it goes right here. For the the, uh, YouTube watchers. There's going to be a beautiful banner. Displayed. With the URL of my Patreon. Because my editing team are going to put that in. They work magic those lads. Uh, It's live right now finally it is live it'll be out by the time this is so what is a patreon for those unfamiliar if you remember how the likes of baron gottfried supported mozart he was mozart's patron and because of his patronage mozart actually got to write his first ever opera or the esterhazy family famously were the patrons of joseph haydn and basically everything he ever composed was because of them or if we take paganini himself Niccolo paganini was a Patreon, a patron, a patron, blah, 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 sorry, a patron of uh, Hector Berlioz who also wrote music. So, this is the modern digital version of a patron. Patrons have always played a huge part in the arts, and especially in classical music. They allow artists to create music, they fund them. So, this is a service that does that. It's a service that allows artists and creators to earn a recurring income with a subscription service for their fans. So, it costs five quid a month. There you are. Five dollars, I think. So, I'd whatever you're paying in another currency, I don't know if it's still five or if it's going to be a little bit less. I'm not entirely sure, but um I've set it at five. So that is the current price of a pint. I don't know about America, but here in the in Cologne, it's about four euro ninety for a pint of Guinness. No, sorry, five euro ten. Went up to five euro ten for a pint of Guinness in my favorite pub here. So that's the price of a pint. The reason it's the price of a pint is you get four episodes a month on this podcast. Usually about an hour each, 40 minutes to an hour. Um, if you listen to all those episodes, or even if you only listen to one episode and you think, fuck, that is brilliant. If I saw Gareth in a pub, I'd buy him a pint. Or i buy him a Dr. Pepper. Well, that's how much this costs. It's roughly about the third of a price of a current Netflix subscription, which is shite. Netflix is shite. Um, so... What does your donation do? It let, Firstly, it lets me turn down other work, which is very important. This podcast is taking up a lot of time at the minute. So it allows me to turn down a little bit of other work so I can donate more time to writing scripts, to editing, to production, to messaging flute players, to working out logistics, to find other flute players to go and get to them. It also helps cover travel costs, which are going to become more significant. I do offer the option of my guests doing an online interview. It works it's not as good as being in person. I'm going to reserve the online interviews more for people who are on the other side of the pond over in Canada or America. But people here in Europe, I should be able to get to them in person. So I will travel to them because it's so much better. So it will help cover the travel costs to get me down there and whatever work I'm losing while I'm there. And all that will help expand this podcast. It will make it bigger and better. After getting Magalie on last week, the amount of top flute players who are now like, oh yeah, if she's done it, I'm open to do it. Sophia's only became a, coming on because of Maggie, I think. And then that's going to roll. And as I've got the top, top, top players now, anyone's possible to come on. So that's helping. This podcast is my main creative outlet and it takes up a lot of my time. And I fucking love every second of it. So there are no more donations to the podcast. No more ad hoc donations. Because some of your donations, by the way, were fucking crazy. I think the most someone ever donated was $50. Which is insane. You don't have to give me 50 quid, lads. It was way too much i'm not saying everyone's giving me that but the ad hoc donations are gone now so instead it's just a fiver a month okay you won't get extra episodes now i know that's quite shocking for a patreon service but bear with me here i believe this podcast should be free so what you will get out of your patreon is you will get an exclusive chance to give questions to ask to all the upcoming guests so i, I reserve that purely for the patrons so that you guys could go in and put your questions that you want me to ask the guests and i will fucking ask them I'm planning to do some live episodes in the future that will be patron only. So that'll be nice. Um, And some, not with guests, there'll be solo episodes, probably get to know me episodes, that kind of thing. And they will go out to everybody else afterwards. But you'll get them live. Some episodes will get released early. So if I finish editing an episode and it's ready to go, the patrons will get it a few days early. Or maybe a few weeks early, depending on how on top of my game I am. And also I've got some fun ways to build up a community and to talk to each other. And more importantly, to support each other through the patron group. But there will be no extra episodes that will come with it because i really believe that this podcast should be free for everybody so if you can afford to donate to the podcast and become a patron it is amazing it is incredibly appreciated it is wonderful and you're paying for someone who cannot afford it if you cannot afford it it's grand you can listen for free no problems also with patreon.com is unfamiliar with it you sign up for a uh, subscription you can unsubscribe at any time at any time it's a bit like an itunes subscription so currently i subscribe to two other podcasts on patreon or patreon um shane todd and kieran bartlett two comedians from back in belfast there are some months where i can't afford the subscriptions it's 10 quite a month between the two of them but sometimes i'm just a bit skint i will unsubscribe for that month not pay it lose my access to their content like their exclusive content and then when i've got a bit more money i'll resubscribe again so you can do that with patreon you're not locked in for any kind of contract you can jump in and out as you please it's five quid a month and it's massively appreciated. So here is two the most compassionate, empathetic, and downright fucking hilarious corner of the flute world. I love you as That's me sucking on a monster energy. So let's continue on with my interview with myself. Um how did Paris come about? So I finished up at Royal Welsh in Fuck what year did I finish there? I'm 31 now, I finished when I was 22, so nine years ago. 2015, is that? 2016, something like that? 2014? Something around that. Whatever it is. I'm 31 to finish when I was 22. Work that out. So I didn't want to stay in the UK. There's a couple of reasons for that. One, I couldn't afford it. Master's degrees in the UK cost a fucking... Fu- I don't know how anybody affords it. I really don't because funding isn't available for everyone. I don't know how people afford it. And if I went to London, how the fuck do you afford to live in London? It's minimum 2,000 quid a month to safely live in London comfortably. And you're doing a full-time degree, so you can't really work that much. You're not going to be getting a part-time job that pays you two grand a month. So I don't know how the fuck people afford it. You must just have to have richest shit parents. Maybe every one of the classical music board does, apart from me. Um, But I didn't want to do that. And also, I didn't want to stay in the UK. I was a bit sick of English people. If you think I don't like Americans, when do you get me fucking started on the Brits, baby? <laughs> so... Uh, Europe, a lot of places in Europe are free now this is post Brexit I have two passports I have a British passport and an Irish passport because I'm born in the north of Ireland and as a result of the Good Friday Agreement I'm entitled to both so Brexit can go fuck itself I took my Irish passport and as an EU citizen I'm entitled to get the same rates in European Union universities as a local is or a resident so I looked at places like Finland, Denmark, blah 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 I did a few lessons and better bit of research I spent a few weeks in Paris the year before my final year at Royal Welsh now, that was simply because my ex-girlfriend was French, and we went over there to spend some time with her family in Paris. While I was there, I was like, fuck right, well, I'm in Paris. I may as well get some lessons with some top players. The first one I went to was Magali, but unfortunately, at that time, Magali wasn't teaching in an institution in Paris. She was teaching up in Lausanne in Switzerland, so I could go privately to her, but I couldn't go register to school with her. She wasn't teaching there. So after that, I tried a few different people, some good, not some not so good, and then I met Catherine, Catherine Canton, Catherine sorry for uh anglicized spelling is catherine Cantan c-a-n-t-i-n she was principal food of the paris opera at that time and held that post for a long time only retired i think about four years catherine she got that job and she was like 19 she's one of the first ever women in an orchestra she beat off her teacher to get the job in paris opera which was incredible i will do an episode with catherine someday but it will have to be in french so i have to get the time to put the translation up uh, but anyway, she invited me. I Got a couple of lessons with her. She invited me to go study in her class at la scola canton, which I talked about on the French flute school definitive guide of what la scola is. So go check that out if you don't know about the different types of school and education in France. But just before I went to study there with her and start my degree, she got the new job at the Académie de musique de Paris. So voila, off I went. And the fees at the Académie it is private, but the fees when I was studying there in the first year were about two thousand euros a year. Now that's a lot of money, but I could afford that you know either getting money off my parents and doing a bit of work i could live off that i could afford that i could save that up you can also pay in installments you end have to pay 2000 at the start of the year so i did like 800 800 400 or something like that there was actually one time where i was a little bit late with the payment and every time i had to go to the practice room i had to walk past the administration people and they used to always be monsieur gustav monsieur and i just fucking bolted it up and just ignore them to the fuck because in my bank account at that time i had fuck all. But I did pay it in the end. I got there in the end. It was just a bit slow getting the money transferred. But anyway, I got a job there as well in Paris. My first, I got many jobs in Paris. My first job was babysitting for a, a family. So they had a young kid, an American family. Very, very wealthy family. So I went every day after school and picked them up. And then on Wednesdays, French kids got out even earlier. So I had to go 12 o'clock. But Wednesdays was fun because I had to cook for the kid. So when I cooked for him, the parents told me, Oh, if you're cooking for him, you can make the same thing for yourself. Rich people are surprisingly fucking tight. we are like, you know, the same thing as he has. And he always wanted some shit. He always wanted the cheapest shit he could get. So I made his stuff, but then his drum teacher came every week. So when his, he went in for his drum lesson for an hour, I went back into the fridge, got the Wagyu steaks so I got the sushi-grade salmon, cooked myself a fucking feast. By, They repay me minimum wage, and they were rich, and they were so strict, man, fuck him. So if you're listening guys I'm sorry but I had all your wagyu beef <laughs> but I quit I quit that job after a few months because I couldn't study full-time and do it I was missing lessons and I thought this is not the reason I'm in Paris to do all these lessons and then have to leave them early to do some babysitting for fucking 11 quid an hour so I got a job after that teaching in some of the local conservatoires doing a few different things I was a choir director for a while I did after school clubs I did orchestras I did all that kind of stuff Um, either I had one day a week where I had my own school to do it in and then the rest of the days were after school clubs in different schools as a sub teacher but it was very busy and obviously with French employment laws you were very protected so it wasn't as like you were paid and you weren't paid if you didn't work if you didn't work you still got paid anyway because this is France baby not anywhere else in the world and yeah so I studied with Catherine I did have I studied with her entirely so she was my teacher at Paris but I did get lessons with Magalie how that came about was I met Magalie through studying with her and then we chatted a little while and she wanted someone to look after her kids on Wednesdays to help them with English. So I went to her house every Wednesday before she got home from the orchestra, looked after her kids and then she gave me a free flute lesson. And took me to the orchestra for rehearsals and blah, blah, blah. So it was a great, it was a great situation. Her kids are now adults now, which is weird. Well, her oldest daughter is 18, which is weird. man. But anyway, Paris was a lot of fun as well to live in as a city. I fucking adore Paris. I love French culture. I love French food. Can be dodgy as well is a bit rough sometimes you know for example um, <laughs> I remember once I had two friends coming over to visit and they flew into Charles de Gaulle airport and they got the train to du nord to du nord and I lived just beside du nord like two stops in the, the metro but they got off the train at du nord and we were walking up the steps and we saw a, a piece of feces I will say a big shite on the floor <laughs> and I don't know how but all three of us looked at each other and we just knew just knew it was human wasn't dog and it wasn't because of the size of it or anything like that there was just a there was an aura about it there was a gravity about the situation and we all looked at each other and we didn't say anything but we knew that did not come from beast that came from man and that was like welcome to paris man there's a big human shite on the door once i got mugged as well in paris i don't have told this story when zach was over who was in an episode of this podcast uh, he came over we were in the pub, the Galway pub, actually, where I recorded the episode with Tomaz. We walked home, like a 45-minute walk home through Paris, but we missed the train. It was like four in the morning. Walking home, some big fellow comes up to me and he's like, excuse me, have you got a Euro coin for the parking machine? And I looked at him and was like, man, I'm really sorry. I don't I don't have a Euro coin for you. And he went, listen, I know this is weird, but can you pay with your card and I'll give you a tenner? And he pulled out this big wad of notes. He's like, look, I've got money. I just don't have a card and I don't have a Euro coin and it doesn't take notes and I was like yeah okay well I looked at the machine it was definitely like an official Paris machine and all that so I thought yeah right I'll do that I'm sound so I put my thing in I verified one euro definitely one euro took my card out put it in my pocket he gave me a ten euro note we chatted a little while and then off we went on our merry way the next day I wake up with a banging he- headache hangover I was actually in Maggie's flat when this happened and I was like fuck where's my bank card And then I get a phone call, serendipitously, when I realised my bank card wasn't there from my bank saying, Mr. Houston, is it true that you've spent 6,000 euro in the last few hours? And I was going, is it? Fuck. I only had about 30 quid in my account. So apparently, I went to the police and apparently it was a known scam that they would put like a little cellophane cover over the buttons. And then they'd pin it off when you go away and they'll get your pin code through that because they'll see which buttons were pressed. And they just have to see the rough shape of your hand where it's going. And then as we're walking off, we just pickpocketed my card and that was it and the worst part about it he went to JD Sports and bought himself some new trainers the fucking prick the worst bit was he went and got himself a lunch in my card after his shopping spree it was all like listed in the shopping centre in the east of Paris and then right at the end of it was €2.50 in Brioche d'Oré, which I know for a fact at that time in Brioche d'Oré it was an espresso and a croissant for €2.50 so that fucking prick got himself a croissant on my card and I thought that's just too much that's what happens in Paris it's a rough city but oh there's another story when I my last flat in Paris I had two roommates um a French guard and a French guy actually he was French but one night we woke up and his TV was blaring in his room at like two o'clock in the morning so we were fucking out in our jammies banging the fuck out of his door going like get up get up get up turn the fucking TV off wouldn't turn it off and we were like what the fuck are we going to do it's going to wake up the whole building so I went I realized if I just sneak around to the side there's the fuse box trip the switch all the electricity in the apartment My dog turned it back on, TV was off, great. He didn't fucking wake up. Next day we talked to him, he's like, I don't remember that. I was like, man, you woke up the entire building. Then the day after that, he started screaming in the night. Proper night, I mean screaming bloody murder. And then the day after that, he got up in the night and he started sleepwalking. And tried to walk into my room a few times, thankfully it was locked. And then the day, well, not maybe the day after, but shortly after that, my landlady rang me one day when I was at the Econor Mall and said, Gareth, you need to get home ASAP, we're kicking him out because he hasn't made any of his payments and he's threatened to steal all your stuff so i had to go back and sit in my room on top of my bed and wait to make sure my stuff didn't get stolen for three days that is paris but highlights of paris there's many to be honest it's just studying with the people i study with um i didn't just study with catherine as flute i also had lessons in which is sight reading i got great harmony lessons from a woman called madame Marche, christine Marche. sorry madame Marche was my sight reading teacher uh my solfege teacher, not the American solfege, solfege is the French word for like music theory and harmony and that kind of stuff was Madame Maffay, sorry. And my chamber music professor was Nina Patrick from the Paris, uh, the de Paris. So I had great lessons and I just loved every second of it. Man, studying in that kind of place was a fucking pleasure and a building of that. But highlights, I did get to play in the Salle a few times, which was massive. Um, and I think the biggest one would be winning the Paris Flute Concours. We don't win it. I've talked about this in the episode as well but getting my concours in my last year and getting it with unanimity of the jury was a big big surprise for me because I had sort of accepted them ahead. I was going to Germany I didn't really care what I got but I was very happy I got it I actually didn't get the the certificate for it because I didn't do my sight reading exam because I <laughs> I celebrated finishing my exam by thinking fuck the sight reading exam I don't care because it's meant to not be linked but I didn't know I misunderstood it so one of my friends rang me and was like Gareth you're next for the sight reading exam you're they're calling your name where are you and i was like i'm in belfast eating chips i booked myself a flight and went to a pub and got chips and i didn't get my degree because of it i did get it eventually at the time it was a whole fucking thing i got it eventually but anyway that were the highlights and then i went to germany deutschland where i am now so i live in cologne way over the never eat, oh, never eat shredded wheat west of germany so the reason for that was my flute playing was going well in Paris and I learned a lot but there were still those things in my technique from childhood that I just hadn't learned so I had a lot of fixes and ways around them but I wanted to make sure I just probably fixed them once and for all and it was kind of last chance saloon It was like 26 and thought if I don't fix these issues now I'm probably never going to fix them there was one guy who was known for it, and that was Robert Wynn old principal flute from the London Philharmonic Orchestra legendary teacher here in Cologne English guy so I came over here got a few lessons with him he offered me to come study in his class and that was it I moved to study with him. Now I won't talk too much about Robert on the podcast, but I will say incredible flute teacher in terms of how he teaches and what he what knowledge he has, and he transformed my playing. My playing after going to Robert was where I wanted to be, and it is where I wanted to be now. So yeah, I had that in the first year, but in Cologne now for five years, year or two I had that. Then Corona hit that wee bug that was going around I went home not deliberately my mum was getting married I flew home for that and then it was locked down the next day and I got stuck at home for a long long time now when I was with Robert I was doing little bits and jobs little jobs here and there to make money teaching blah 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 but I wasn't doing much I wasn't making friends I was living with my ex-girlfriend during corona when I went home I did a lot of thinking I broke up with my ex-girlfriend i went back i thought do you go back to cologne or do you go back to paris or do you stay in ireland or where am i going next and what am i doing with my life i thought i'll go back to cologne give it a lash so i moved into a new apartment flat share with a couple of lads brilliant lads jacob was one of them from episode 10 and we had a great time and i sort of decided for the last year or so of corona i would just practice my ass off and just that's what i did i spent six hours a day practicing i lost like 30 kilos of weight I learned German I did all those things that you fuckers said you wouldn't do You remember everyone was like oh I'm going to do this thing I'm going to do that in Corona and lockdown you didn't I did I did it all I was very happy with myself Corona was great I could do with another wee pandemic so I did all that and it was great and then as I started to come out of that you know I have a new guard friend now it was great I saved up a shitload of money I worked for a school called the GF Handel Music Academy here which I will that's the last time I'll say their name in this podcast because absolutely fuck them and there is an episode coming out in that but anyway I worked there saved up enough money to get my own flat. Now, I don't mean buy a flat, I rent, but in Germany, even if you rent a flat, it comes with nothing in terms of furniture. They even take their floors with them. So Germans will take their carpet and bring it to the new flat. They take their kitchens. So you have to buy all the shit. So it, took, it cost me a couple of thousand euro to buy a kitchen, sofa, TV, every bit of furniture, fucking light fixtures. I had to drill the holes in the, in the roof to put the lights in. Man, the Germans take everything with them when they rent everything. So I spent a bit of time doing that and then i've got my lovely new flat here since just over a year and in the last six months to a year what have i done well i started a little podcast called the inline g flute podcast which was a great outlet i've got a private teaching studio now which has really grown i'm actually nearly at capacity for lessons i will talk about that in future people have asked me to mention this i do offer online lessons i do teach Sorry, excuse me there. I thought I forgot to hit record. Yeah, I do teach. I do teach online. I'll be doing more on that, but you can get online lessons with me. If you want to study with me, I'd be delighted to. Re- I bring this kind of energy to lessons, so you can imagine how. I love teaching, I really love it. It's a lot of fun. So I teach, I work at Bayer Leverkusen Football Club, which has been honestly the greatest job of my life. It's a team I support, it's a team I love, it's the best team in Europe, and it was great to get a job that I adore away from music. Now, that's not even part time. That's when I'm free. I go down and work for them a couple of times a week, sometimes, sometimes it's two weeks without. Um, but I've always practiced I've always kept my flute playing up because I've decided I would like to get back into playing performing I've never given up playing but performing I haven't done much of in the last six months I didn't want to to be totally honest I haven't really had the desire to do it I got a bit too pressure to go for auditions I was getting sick of auditions because even though sometimes they were going well over the last few years I've done quite a few orchestral auditions sometimes I've got through just like the later rounds sometimes you're booted out after fucking 10 seconds of playing And it was so much work and so much practice for it. And I thought, I need a break from this. So I'm getting back in the plane. And there is a couple of things in the pipeline, which is quite exciting. All I'd really love, to be honest, right now is one or two days a week of extra work. Like a little part-time social media management job or something. To just give me that little last... Like, I'm not bad for money. Like, I'm financially secure. But I'm not rich by any extent. I survive. survive. I'm skint, but I survive. You know what I mean? And... Yeah. I would like to... I'd like to just make one or two days more worth of income. So that's the story. Morning Glory. I'm going to finish maybe with with the fun questions that I normally ask every other guest. So first question, do I play inline or offset G? I play inline G, obviously, because this podcast is called that. I mean, if I wanted to change now, I'm going to die on this hill. Offset G probably will be better at this point. It probably is. But listen, that looks nicer. I've called the podcast this. We're fucked. I'm sticking with it. Favorite flute concerto? Mm, I, don't know. I love the Ebert concerto, the slow movement especially. I'm not mad for the Nielsen concerto. Love the Mozart concertos. D minor, CP, Bach is wonderful. The Vé concerto is magnificent. I think I'm going to have to go for my absolute favorite flute concerto. I've never actually played it, but I'd probably say the Marc André d'Albavie concerto. It's really good. Cool. I love contemporary music. So I'd say that or La Notte, the Vivaldi concerto there's my two answers the first flute cd or album that i bought yes i remember very clearly that was Raphael trevisani with i think it was his wife played piano on it it was like a recital cd not live but recital um Paolo pala girardi i think her name was i think it's his wife i might be wrong and it was kind of like show pieces so Carmen fantasy was on that ron de was on that a couple of other things brilliant absolutely brilliant album italian flute player Galway kind of school, fucking brilliant. First CD or album in general I bought, easy peasy, that was Sum 41, all killer, no filler, the greatest thing to come out of Canada since, I don't know, what came before that? Shania Twain. Brilliant, they were a pop punk band. They were like Blink 182, but good. Uh, Favourite place in the world for food, not Germany. Probably Paris. Like the food you get in Paris is incredible. I think the best means I've had in my life are in Paris. Although, tell a lie, The best meal I've ever had recently was actually in Germany. It was here in Cologne in a restaurant called Potkind. It's a Michelin-starred restaurant. It was fucking unbelievable. I'd probably say Paris. Although I love Spanish food as well. Big into Japanese food. I love spicy food, but I've never been to Japan. If anyone wants to sponsor me to go to Japan, I'd be delighted to. But I eat literally anything. There's one or two foods in my life I can remember not eating. Once in France, I got a pig's brain... It was boiled as well. Wasn't mad. No, sheep's brain. Wasn't mad on that. Went to a very famous restaurant. Didn't really speak French at the time. Asked the guy for the special. Said, I'll take that. And it was boiled brain. It wasn't great. So that's one of the few things I wouldn't eat. But most things, like spicy food, fucking love it. Pretty much everything else I love. But if I have to pick, I'll go with Paris. And I'll go for Au Petit There we are. It's a crepe restaurant in Rue Moustache. Fucking unbelievable. I do a Greek crepe with Tahama. Like that. It's kind of like the. It's kind of like caviar, but it's pink and feta. Fuck me. Fusion food at its best. A piece you haven't performed that you want to. Easy. I would love at some point in my life to play the Mozart flute, flute quartet in D major. That's, that's a piece I've always dreamed of playing with the string quartet, the string trio plus me. If I could have any job outside of music, what would I do? I think it's hard to answer that because there's nothing that's particularly attractive to me when I was a kid I always wanted to be an accountant which is very strange honestly I think I'd be working in football in some kind of, a, in some kind of manner I think my absolute dream job would be social media football football social media management so working for a big European club in their social media team dream of all dreams would probably be for Chelsea or Bayer Leverkusen one of the two that would be very cool favourite drink alcoholic or non-alcoholic Favorite non-alcoholic drink is definitely Spetzi, man. If you haven't had Spetzi, you won't get it over there. But it's a mixture of cola and Fanta. There's different brands, but Spetzi is kind of like the gener- generic term. But there is one called Spetzi by Paulaner. Oh my god, it's like an orange flavored Coke. It's unbelievable. Comes in glass bottles. It's delicious. Mezzo Mix as well is another brand of it. is good. Favorite alcoholic drink? Anything as long as it's wet. Huh? <laughs> uh, no, I love, I love Buckfast. It's a tonic wine from Northern Ireland. I tried to get a bottle of it for this episode, but it is Tuesday afternoon. If I had a bottle of Buckfast now, I would fucking wreck the place. So it was going to be a bit much to do that. So yeah, I'd probably say Buckfast. My favorite cocktail is a grasshopper. My favorite beer is definitely Guinness. I'm a madman for a pint of Guinness, but I do love I do love the couch beer you get here. I'm big fan of that. I love a Rattler. I love that one in America. What's that real scumbag beer you guys drink over there? Pabst Blue Ribbon. It's fucking glass Actually, my favorite American beer is definitely uh, Bud Light Lime. Man, that's fucking great. It's like drinking limey water that gets you drunk. It's great. Anything else? And wine. I'm a big wine boy. My favorite wine is Beaujolais Nouveau, which a lot of people don't oh, wine because it's a very young wine and you get it fresh in the new Beaujolais season. But I fucking love Beaujolais Nouveau. Uh, and there's also Bordeaux. Big man for Bordeaux. Cremant. I like as well. Blanc de Blanc. Oh fuck. And champagne. Man. Who can say no to champagne? And the last thing I'm going to say in this podcast before I just get the fuck out of here, because a lot of people have been asking about this. Now, this might kill any chance I've got a sponsorship, but I'm going to address this once and for all. I had a small controversy about politics recently. Now, I'm a very political person. If anyone's on my Instagram, you'll probably know that. I can't say it as much anymore because Instagram keeps stinging me for it, but I am a very political person and I feel very passionate about politics. I don't bring it to this podcast because I don't think there's a need for it. If I did think there was a need for it, I would so I will never talk about it with guests I'll never bring it up in that sense but just to be clear where I stand on all these things because I've been accused recently of some people being pro this and pro that which is couldn't be wronger I don't sit in the fence with politics very few things I sit in the fence with so I'm left-wing as fuck okay I'm Irish And I'm a very proud Irish person. Ireland is a socialist country and the idea of Ireland should always be a socialist state. a socialist state, a socialist state. So my politics, very, very simple. I think in the developed world, every country should have every single person three things. And that is affordable housing, free healthcare and free education. Every single person in a developed country should have all three of those things. That's it. That's my political views. If you want to ask me about certain conflicts or certain wars, you know where I stand. I'm not going to go into them all. I'm obviously pro-Palestine, for example. That's not going to be a surprise to anybody. I'm Irish. Okay, so my politics are very left-leaning and I will leave it at that. But I love a good political debate and I love getting stuck into talking to people about politics. So, yeah. That's going to get me fucking cancelled, baby. Anyway, we're done. Guys, I'm going to finish this Monster Energy and get back to work. Uh, so, yeah, thank you all for listening. I hope this was an interesting episode. It might have been a weird one. um, But I wanted to get this all out of the way. It is a bit of a filler episode as well because next week we're going to have the Cologne Carnival episode. I hope where I'm going to get very, very drunk on, on air in a Cologne pub and do some really fun things. So that'll be high energy. The week after will be Sophia's episode, which is excellent. I've already watched it back and I'm so delighted that that's going to be coming out soon. And then I think after that, that'll be straight into another guest episode. I really think so. In um, solo episodes, there is one more planned on toxic masculinity. Which will be coming out soon. That's not going to be a fun episode. So please be aware of that. When that comes out. It's not going to be fun. But I think it's an important episode. And yeah that's it. So this was a fun one in the middle. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys look after yourselves. Have a lovely lovely weekend. If you're listening to this on a Friday. If you're listening to it during the week. You're nearly at Friday. So enjoy the rest of your week. Guys thank you all for the support. Here is to 6,000 more listeners next month. Big love. Big smooches. Mwah.